<laughs> you've attained the upper echelon of, of hipsterdom. hipsterdom. Welcome to episode number 48 of RSVP, the podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Les, and my co-hosts tonight are Dade and Lenore. Tonight, we're talking about affordability, approachability, ecological impacts, and luxury. But first, let's talk about what we're drinking and our poisons and all of that fun stuff. Dade, do you want to start us off? Uh, sure thing. Um, so I'm drinking water this afternoon, and I am writing with a Blackwing Natural in my Rate Notepad's Black Cat edition, the white cover. Um, I'm really, really, really in love with the Blackwing Natural. Um, I ordered a dozen and have not put them down at all. So kudos for that. Um, it's funny cause I really didn't think I'd like it at all because it's extra firm, but it does not write like that at all. I don't know if either of you have tried them yet. No, but I saw people talking in the group that it was softer than they were expecting and significantly softer than the 24. Right. It's weird because it, it's. It it's as dark as an extra firm, but it has I mean it's it's darker than an extra firm, but it has the point retention of an extra firm. Magic. I know. Like so and like putting it next to a two eleven, it's the same pencil. It just doesn't have two eleven on it. Like the way it feels, the finish, everything. It's the same exact thing. So good. That's really honestly what I was hoping for. Because I, yeah. I really do love the 211. It's such a nice pencil, and I would love for that to be available. Right. It has that smooth – because I was like, oh, is this going to have, like, a rougher finish because it's a natural? Because some natural pencils that I have don't have, like, any kind of finish on them. It's just natural, literally. Um, this has that smooth hand feel to it, um, like the 211. So. Yeah, I rarely like a bare wood pencil. Yeah. Um, so I've been using that. Um, so that's what's been exciting. I also finally reinstalled Windows on this laptop that I'm using. Um, I started recording on my laptop when we upgraded mics because it's a USB mic. And uh, it was running really, really slow. And even though you warned people, Lenore, to back things up, um, I thought I had backed everything up, but I forgot to back something up. So it is lost. But not really. Um it was just a huge folder of, of files and music that I can re-download. It's just going to be a pain in the neck. Ignoring those warnings is how I ended up where I am, so I can't talk. <laughs> so, But it's so nice, I'm sure you can relate, Lenore, um, to having a fresh, clean laptop that doesn't run slow or do any weird things. It's, it's, like, it's like starting fresh. It is, but mine wasn't giving me any of that kind of crap that you usually get right before it dies. So like it was running really well until it wasn't, right. <laughs> you know, it was running really perfectly until it wouldn't turn on. Right. I don't know why he's dead. There's nothing wrong. <laughs> um, so yeah. So the, the, but the last two times I've definitely had that, you know, where it would take like 30 seconds to delete an email and yeah. I would just be sort of sitting there waiting for it to spin its wheels and decide that I could click on something else. Yeah, no. And, and I had a bunch of games on my laptop cause this is my gaming laptop um, so with all of those gone, I think that was really bogging down the system. So, um, I've been selectively installing, uh, new games. Um, I've actually really been having fun with a PlayStation emulator. So it's been nice to, to play games I haven't played in about 20 years. Um, I've also been catching up with Blackwing editions. Um, for a long time, I just didn't buy a dozen of any of them. Um, I would try to trade for them, but I kind of fell off the wagon there and then now it's really kind of hard to trade for editions that are selling for 80 90 dollars a dozen um so i've been i've been catching up buying the dozens that i can um and i you know 73 was actually one of my more favorite versions and and i was able to uh to get a dozen at a reasonable price so that was nice um because I didn't realize how expensive they've gotten. Like, they're almost $100 for a dozen. Of the 73 Yeah. Like, the last oh, man. couple sold auctions are about 80 bucks. Really? Jeez, but, I, did, I didn't know that. I need to sell some stuff. But then it's weird. 
But then it's weird because then you'll see some sales that like were 45 or 35, but then it jumps right back up to the most recent stuff. So, um, yeah, I paid 60. So not horrible. Um, I just love that pencil so much. And I, I only had two or three of them, but I just love the, the feel of that pencil. Yeah. Um, and then finally, the CW Pencils sticker shop that is her, like, you have to be there only to purchase them. Um, I was really kind of bummed because I'll, every time I went home to New Jersey to visit my parents, I never, stars never aligned and I was never able to get to, you know, the city. And so um, Chris uh, Jones, he's in the group. He goes to CW a lot. He has the website where they talk about um, historical pencil stuff, advertising pencils. Do either of you know of him? Chris yeah. Allen Jones? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he was so gracious and I want to thank him publicly. He took pictures of every single wall of that sticker shop that CW has. And he's going to be like my proxy purchaser. Oh, wow. He's, he's terrific. I, um, I actually got to meet him when I was in, um, when I was in New York last year with Spawn and, um, him and Jessica both and they're terrific. I've, I've had a lot of um, good interactions with them. Yeah, no, he's he's uh, really great. In fact, next time I am in New Jersey, I will make it happen. I will get to the new shop and I will meet some pencil people. Because... And they're going to have a baby, too. They're going to have I a baby. I know. I was so excited <laughs> when I saw that a couple months ago. Um, you know, they just seem like really great couple and really great people. So I wanted to thank him for being that person. Um, and there are so many cool stickers, guys. Like they have those old school scratch and stiff stickers that we had when we were kids. Um, they have tons of planner stickers and just really unique stuff that I've never saw before. So definitely cool. So, but that's, that's it in my world. Um, Lenore, what about you? I'm so happy to be here with you two again. I'm the, I'm, I'm the Tim. <laughs> I'm the Tim Watson. I'm the one who can't make it to the recordings all the time. <laughs> I love you, Tim. I'm just kidding. But um, it's just so nice to be here. Um, so let's see what what's been going on. I've got some fun professional things going on that just kind of, you know, how it can be with stuff at work where like it's good, but it's also a little bit of a, an emotional roller coaster, kind of trying to decide what you're going to do and and juggle things and you know, opportunities and stuff like that. Um, we've been, <laughs> we've been watching the marvelous Mrs. Maisel kind of as a family. So spawn is almost 10 and I'm not sure if I get the like best mom ever or the worst mom ever award for letting my 10 year old watch the marvelous Mrs. Maisel because there's like 30 f-bombs per episode and like the last episode we watched had two different words that start with cu one of which would have to be bleeped and the other of which is more medical oh but <laughs> either way I was like hmm <laughs> And then you kind of are like, okay, do we do we have a conversation about what these words mean, or do we just trust in the fact that we've talked before about for the love of all that is holy, don't lose don't use any words that you learn in these contexts without talking to me first, because they might not mean what you think they mean, right? So uh yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting when that stuff goes by. But you know, she loves it, of course. So when we're off air, remind me to tell you the story of how I asked my mom about some of those words. Oh, I would love to hear that story. It's completely yes. inappropriate for for the podcast right. itself. Well, maybe we should but... record it and put it out as an after dark and oh. not put it to iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't feel like editing it out. But uh, yeah, after after we're done recording, we'll we'll go into it. Awesome. Yeah. And then um, I was just listening to the Erasable Fifth Birthday episode. Happy birthday, boys! And um, that was that was a fun episode. Did you guys get to hear it yet? I did not. Okay, it I, it just came out a couple of days ago, I think. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. But you know, I, I gotta say, maybe y'all can put this into some context with me for me. But I just still cannot get that into either Steinbeck or Hemingway. I just. 
No, I neither can they I. Just don't seem to care about anything that they've written, really. Nope, I'm with you. Okay, it's not just me. Nope. Okay. Meh. All right. Um, I actually I'm drinking a pencil related beverage today. This is the Good Earth Sweet and Spicy Tea, which uh, I first encountered in the um, CWPE Pencil Box Cabin Fever Edition. And um, when I was looking at things for, to get ready for recording today, I was over on the CWPE website. Have you seen that cover photo they've got going right now? Yeah, the uh-huh. eraser caps. Yeah, those white arrowhead erasers. It is just a fabulous photograph like it's so great the you know like the contrast of it and i just i love it it's so funny to it would make a good desktop wallpaper it really would yeah it really would um so that was kind of fun and then um i've been using my baron fig undated 14 week planner which i've really been like i'm learning to really love oh and then uh, i was i was like trying to figure out some trying to update some stuff on Twitter and Instagram. And um, I had missed, uh, I had missed, shoot, I lost it. Um, the uh, stationary wiki, Alexander Kramer had, um, had added us to the stationary wiki and all of our stationary, all of our episodes are cataloged on stationary wiki. And I had missed this back in January somehow. So that was pretty cool. Um, checking out the stationary wiki. I've got a lot more. A lot more clicking to do over there. So that was um, that was neat. So yeah, there's kind of been a lot of new stuff. Um, yeah, I think that's my new stuff. Les, what about you? <laughs> um, so, uh, so much stuff going on. I am finally settled into my new job and my new routine. It took me a while. And I know I don't transition well. Um, but I had this moment, I think it was not last week, but the week before where everything just sort of like clicked and I'm like, okay, leaving my old job wasn't a mistake. This was really good. Um, and so I'm just feeling really good about my new job, the job itself. I'm just loving it. I really enjoy what I'm doing. My coworkers are amazing and I'm even getting used to the bus. So although it varies, like sometimes in bad weather, it's early and sometimes in bad weather, it's late. So I, I, and the website MBTA is just horrible about updating the website. So I'll go to the website to check and see if the, what time the bus is coming and it'll say that it's going to be late. And then I'll walk to the bus and the bus will be driving by me. Cause I'm like two minutes too late and they don't wait. They don't wait for anyone. They suck. Um, they don't, they're actually great. The drivers are wonderful, but it's just, it's, it's hard to get used to. So there's that. Um, I am drinking water. I've been on a huge kombucha kick and right after the podcast is over, I'm going to go buy some more kombucha because you're such a hipster. I know I'm even brewing it. Oh Lord. (laughs) You've you've, you've attained the upper echelon of of hipsterdom. I actually really love kombucha. It's pretty stereotypical though, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Um, I, um, my, so my brother also brews kombucha and we, like my brother and I, um, I think it's like a family thing. The whole family has gone through like my brother and I both brewed beer. We've, we've, uh, fermented wine. Um, Chris and I right now, Chris is going through this huge like yogurt craze. So we're making yogurt all the time at home. And then, um, like I've done kimchi and sauerkraut. Like I've done all the like fermenty foods, but I've never done kombucha before. And I enjoy kombucha. Like, you know, used to get it all the time when I worked for the marketplace and, uh, companies would just bring in like cases and be like, Hey, try our kombucha. Um, so yeah, so I've got some, uh, kombucha steeping and it's been one of those things where it's funny cause I'll get up and I'll check the temperature on it. And the first couple of nights it was that cold snap where, where it was really, really windy here mm-hmm. and the temperature in my kitchen dropped down to 60 degrees. I'm like, Oh my God, my kombucha is my scoby going to be okay. Um, <laughs> And the, and the mother sank. So it was just like, Oh, oh no, my kombucha. It was, it was funny to me. Um, and Christy's like, even your damn kombucha, at least the yogurt just takes overnight. That's like way too much time to like wait for something. I'm like, I've brewed wine and done beer before. This is nothing. What, like two weeks? That's, that's like a short fermentation. 
So yeah, so that's my kombucha struggles, and right now I've got it swaddled next to the pellet stove where it's toasty warm in the house. It's like I, I made it its own little like um, bubble wrap and blanket like swaddling so it stays toasty warm. Oh, man. <laughs> it's a problem. But kombucha is expensive. So if I can brew myself a gallon of kombucha, I'm saving myself money in the long run. Right. Uh, so yes, I have reached peak hipsterdom. But that's awesome. Uh, I, I love that you found your thing. Well, it's it gets even funnier in a, in a few minutes. Um, so I'm going to skip over to my visible mending and embroidery kick. Um, ben Sorrell on Instagram. He's also been in the pencil group. I think he's still in the pencil group. Um, anyway, he was posting all of the Shibori stuff and Shishasko, which are Japanese styles of embroidery. And I'm like, Damn, I want I want a piece of that. So I started messing around with it. I had a sweater that I really loved, and so I I you know read a little bit on darning, and darned the hole in it, and then fixed like some of the other holes in the sweater. And I'm actually wearing that now. I don't wear it outside of the house because my darning is not all that great yet. Um, so anyway, I'm into this whole visible mending and embroidery. So um, maybe I actually have reached peak hipsterdom. <laughs> I was going to say, I was darning before it was cool. Well, I used to darn. Like, um, it was one of those things. I think it's like a like a rural thing um, or a country thing. Because when I was a kid, that was like one of the things that I was, I was taught how to embroider and do um, darning. But it was always for socks and stuff. Not You didn't do it for your sweaters. Sweaters were... You know, you didn't, unless it was just for something around the house, you didn't darn your sweaters. Unless you had actually enough of the same yarn to darn it. But anyway, so yeah, I've done it in the past and now I'm back into it. Anyway, so yeah, I'm, I'm peak hipster now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am writing with an orange spoke pen. So, uh, Brad, I don't know if I talked about this in the last, I don't think I did because I don't think I had it during the last podcast. Um, Brad hit me up and asked if I would like to review the spoke pen, which is, uh, one of his new Kickstarter product projects. And it's really cool. Um, and this actually goes into sort of our main topic a bit. Um, but it's a pen, it's a refillable pen body. It's machined. It's made in the U.S. And the thing that I really like about it is that it is, it's not meant to hold every refill, but the capped refills, um, specifically the Uniball Signo DX. So the capped DX versions, and it comes comes with a 0.5 refill, but you can put any of the capped Signo refills into it. And right now, um, I'm just digging the black. I've been using it for a while. I'll probably run this one dry pretty quickly. But the thing that I really like about it is that the cap is magnetized. So when you, I'm going to do it, I'm going to be quiet here for a second so you can hear it. So it slides on and then it does that. I just love that. It sounds like a cigarette lighter. It does kind of. It more, less so in person, but it does this like nice snap and it really is quite tight. So, um, it it stays like clipped to the lapel of my shirt and doesn't go anywhere. I've dropped my fodder stack, my one star leather fodder stack with the pen in it, and it stays clipped in the pen pocket. So it's a very sturdy cap and clip system, and the pen itself feels great. Um, I wasn't sure it doesn't. It's not knurled. It's got grooves in it, mm-hmm. um, so it's it's got a nice groove sensation and i could see someone like putting like some silicone o-rings or rubber o-rings into those grooves and it could be really cool um so yeah so i'm writing with that in my um podcasting notebook and the other thing that i just did and i'm just going to talk about it because it's one of those weird things that i do i finally side loaded google play onto my kindle fire 8 um Mm -hmm. which is you would think that I would have done this a long time ago, but I just never got around to it because I was using my Kindle Fire for writing fiction into and not blog posts. And I don't use Google Docs to write my fiction. I write into Jotterpad, but I write all of my blog posts directly into Docs. And I had this like hissy fit kind of thing 
last week where I was like, damn it, because I have to, when you write in Jotterpad, you then have to transfer it to Google Docs, and it creates three different files all at the same time. So I was transferring it, then opening it in Docs, and then saving it, and then going back and deleting the extraneous files, and it just annoyed me. So I really prefer to write my blog posts and reviews into Google Docs. So finally, now I can do that into my Kindle Fire. So it was ridiculously easy, and I put the um, links on how to do it into show notes. It's like literally downloading four files, installing those four files, restarting, and opening Google Play. So easy. Nice. nice. Stupidly easy. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, um, our main topic. Are you guys ready? Are you ready, I'm ready. for this topic? I'm so ready. All right. So one of the things that... I've been thinking about for a long time when it comes to stationery and fountain pens and all of the things that we kind of use on a regular basis is I feel like there's something of an image problem, particularly when it comes to fountain pens, but also higher end pens. And I think that part of that is a lot of the big name companies spend a lot of time advertising as if their pen is for certain types of people. And I remember my first sort of, um, what am I trying to think with the right words here? Exposure to fountain pens when I was a kid was like the bad guy who was a, a, a money man in movies would always use a fountain pen. And it was almost like, only like rich dudes can use fountain pens because it's a status symbol rather than something that's really just something that we use. I don't know. Does that make sense? No, totally. Um, yeah. And- we, Which, yeah, you've talked about before. People kind of can think it's hoity-toity when they see your pen. Yeah. Well, and it's like a lot of the time I don't – well, in my last job, I wouldn't use fountain pens when I was at work because even using something like a Platinum Preppy came off as, well, that's a fancy pen. It's like, well, it's a $3 pen. It's not really. But right. there's this like connection with fountain pen as something that's fancy. And they really aren't. I mean, it's a like $3 Platinum Preppies, these $2 pens that I'm buying on eBay. There's nothing fancy about them. They're not a luxury good. No, but right. they are unfamiliar. Yes, they are, which is a shame. Yeah, no. I mean, I think, um, you know, there's two categories. There, There is that really expensive, out-of-reach fountain pen, but I really wish people would see that if you – took a spectrum of fountain pens, all the fountain pens ever made, I feel, and I could be wrong, I'm no expert, that there are more on the lower end sub $50 fountain pens that you can get, like what you've been doing less, yeah. than there are the six, seven, eight hundred dollars fountain pens. I think you're right. I think that there are more sub $50 pens across the board and that have made, been made historically than there are really, really fancy, expensive uh, fountain pens. I think this is a recent sort of image problem. Well, I think for me, um, as someone who does not use fountain pens, I own one of them. I own a Twisby and I own really cheap fountain pens, like the $3 platinum preppies, mm-hmm. whatever's, but, um, it kind of like, it, it was a multitude of things why I never really got into fountain pens. First was, um, the unfamiliar, I just never used one. And so I, I, at the time I didn't feel like doing the research into how easy fountain pens can be to use. Um, Mm -hmm. so I was just like, yeah, no, not for me. You know, I need a pen that I can just use and not think about. And then when I did try to dip my toe into the water of finding out these things, some of the communities I was involved with were actually really, really gatekeepy to the point where dating. Right. And I just, I was like, yep, nope, nope. And yeah, I mean, there's some happened. interest in kind of actually maintaining the mystique rather than dispelling it. Cause it's, right. you know, it's more special if it's inaccessible for common people. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, like, so that's partly why I didn't really get into them, but then I wanted to get into them because I thought about the, you know, ecological impact 
that, that we all have. Mm. Like using, you know, a box of big pens that you throw away when they're empty. I don't do that um, because it's just wasteful. But I do use re- refillable pens now. But, you know, using a fountain pen, if you buy like, I'm guessing, a large bottle of ink, that probably lasts you almost an entire year, maybe. Yeah. Um, some of, so I have some bottles of ink that I've had for years and years, but I also have, you know, like 20, 30 bottles of ink. Right. Um, so I'm not trying to write through a bottle of ink. That might be something that I, I attempt next year. Let's see how long (laughs) it actually takes me to drain a bottle of ink. That'd be interesting. But if you think about, so every fill on a fountain pen is between one to two milliliters and most fountain pen bottles hold between 30 to 100 milliliters every one of those like milliliters is the equivalent of a gel pe- gel pen so if you're spending okay. 20 dollars on a 100 mil or no we'll say 50 milliliter you're, you're spending 20 dollars on a 50 milliliter bottle of ink you're gonna get 50 gel pens worth out of that roughly you might get a little less you might get a little more if there's blobbing or leaking but that's a lot of fills Yes, very much so. And I think putting that into perspective, it's cost-wise over time, it's cheaper even. Absolutely. Yeah, it totally is. But I mean, I'm I'm sitting here looking at uh Amazon with $10 for a box of 36 big round sticks, right? Mm-hmm. And that I mean, you say it's a $3 fountain pen. It's a $2 fountain pen. Well, yeah, but a big stick is, you know, <laughs> 36 for $10, right? Yeah. So even thinking about a pen being $3, it's kind of the same, the same thing with, um, you know, the sticker shock that people experience when they first get interested in pencils where you can buy, you know, you can buy a dozen of these for a dollar or you can mm-hmm. buy one of these for $2. And it seems like, you know, it seems like, a um, a luxury item, not because it's actually that expensive, but because it's proportionally mm-hmm. expensive, right? And with a pencil, I mean, you the kind of considerations aside about that if you're really buying cheap pencils and the and the cores are falling out, then that's a complete waste of all of your money. Um, but you know, the difference between a basically competent cheap pencil and a Blackwing is not about how long it's going to last. It's about how much you're going to enjoy using it, right? right? Whereas with pens, you really can make that argument that this is, you know, that this is an ecological uh, benefit to not consuming as much packaging and not consuming as much, um, even just throwing the pen bodies away and whatever, which, you know, it's a little bit hard to get too upset about throwing away 36 big pens as you use them up when the packaging for, you know, one kid's toy probably has an equivalent mass in non-recyclable plastic Mm -hmm. these days, you know, the amount of, the amount of plastic that's just in packaging. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all kind of part of a mindset because it looks like it's going to be fussy and difficult and it looks like you have to know about it to get involved and, you know, you don't want to, like plunge $20 into something and then find out you're, it's just not for you and then have this stuff lying around. So, you know, I get it, but it would be great if there was more about making it look as accessible as it is. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I like to think about the fact that in, if you walk into any like hospital lobby or any, the lobby of any business, the pen that you're going to be handed at, you know, when you check in, is probably going to be a Bic stick or some knockoff, an Amazon version or the Staples version or some, you know, two cent pen, which then is often put into someone's pocket. I mean, the place where I used to work, we would go through a box of a hundred stick pens every week. Yeah, yeah, crazy. that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, because people just walk out with them. People take them. They're like, "Oh, I need a pen." They don't care. And you know, like some places will actually like actually my my doctor's office has the pens on a ball chain, so you can't steal them. 
My doctor's office actually tapes a really big flower to the top of all of their yeah. pens. So <laughs> yeah, I've seen you that too. You would want to take them. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, there's there's that. I mean, I I don't know. I I I dislike big sticks in general, but like big crystals I enjoy writing with. So there's that as well. <laughs> um, but there's Yeah, but they're also not recyclable at all. No, not not even a little bit. Um, you know, so god, it was I think when I was first starting at the day pro at the partial hospital program probably a year or two ago i held on to the pen bodies of every pen that i wrote through for a couple of months and i went through a dozen in a couple of months because i was literally writing through a gel pen a week and that's a lot of plastic when you when you think about it. That's a lot of pens. And then I switched over to using a refillable pen, pen body and I could just order a box of refills online. The um I was using the Pentel alloy. I think yeah. it's Pentel. I actually I've lost two Pentel alloys. And then recently I switched over to the uh Zebra Sarasa Grand for my refillable pen. Um and hilariously, I dropped that next to my car mm-hmm. when I was working up in Haverhill and someone either, I think they drove over it. So there's like a, a little dent and a scratch in it, but the body is, it still works. It still works great. So I was kind of surprised. Maybe they ran over it with a bike because that happened pretty often up there. But, um, so yeah, so like these pen bodies, you can refill them, you can reuse them and they last. And, and you know, that was, it's their $10. $12 pen bodies that you refill again and again and again. And even that cuts back on the plastic that you're throwing into the trash. But it also, um, it's cheaper in the long run because you're spending $12 on the pen body and then refilling it instead of spending $2 per gel pen or, you know, however much, you know, $12 for a 12 pack on the pen because the refills are cheaper. Sometimes, although one of the things that I've noticed is that quite often it's cheaper to buy the gel pens in a package than just the refills in the package. It just, it kills me sometimes that it's so much yeah. more expensive to buy a refill for gel pens than, than it is to buy the whole pen. You can buy is buckets that, of Signos for $40. Is it just because it's a specialty item kind of thing? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I did notice that at work that we do, like, some of my coworkers will request pen refills at my new place of work rather than just buying new pens. So I enjoy that. I like that. Um, but it does, like, there's this, like, affordability. Um, and it seems like using a refillable pen body is such a luxury because they don't make it so that it is an expensive to do the right thing ecologically. Right. Yes. And buying a cheap fountain pen is ecological, but it's it's almost out of the reach of many people. Like how many people are actually going to go to eBay, search out Wingsung 3008 and order a cheap fountain pen? Maybe, you know, I think a lot of people will go to Jet Pens and buy a Platinum Preppy. Yeah. Um, and actually you can buy Wingsung 3008s on Amazon now, but they're around $10 instead of $2. Uh, yeah. But you get, they're shipped to you faster. Um, you're generally, you generally get like a better quality. You don't, uh, take a chance that you're going to get a knockoff, which I've gotten several Wingsung knockoffs, which is hilarious to think that there are knockoffs of these cheap pens that are technically knockoffs (laughs) of... Um, like the, the Twisby or the Prera or all of these other pens. I just, I, it's, it's very, very meta. And it's like a cover band of a cover band. <laughs> of a cover yeah. band, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so how many people would actually buy like one of these cheap and expensive fountain pens and a bottle of cheap ink and use that versus being able to walk into Walgreens and pull a package of, uh, Uniball or, um, what are the ones that they sell there? The Paper Hate um, Ink Joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, or, or, if if you could buy the refills for the Ink Joy, would you buy them at Walgreens? Would people actually do that? Oh, you know, I really like this 
you know, teal ink joy. Here are some refills. Would people do that? But it's not made available to you easily. Then you have to go, right. if you want to buy our Inkjoy refill, you then have to go on Amazon and search them out, and they're stupid expensive. Yeah. Well, okay, so there's another thing here, too, though, and that's that you go through stuff really quickly. So um, I'm thinking about, like, disposable razors, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's... There's like, there's the people who just buy the package of disposable razors. And then there's the people who buy the package that has the handle and, you know, six or eight or 10 cartridges. Well, that's what I do. But, well, yeah. And that's what we've always done in our house too. But then every time you're running out of cartridges, you go back and you try to find a package of just cartridges. And they're like, they don't have the ones for the handle that you have because... They've changed them in the mm. last two years or whatever, right? You can't, like, it's really difficult to get the refills for the thing you already have because they're constantly changing their, um, you know, their construction or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if you're Parker, I guess you have an incentive to make the same refills fit all the time because people collect Parker pens and because, you know, vintage pens and whatever is a, um, is a, you know, a thing that people do and having everything be intercompatible is great. But if you're Bic, then, you know, maybe it's not great or maybe that's not part of your business model, right? You're, mm-hmm. cause you're coming out with new things all the time. Although the Bic crystals have been essentially the same shape for what, 40 years and you, yet, you still you can't buy refills for those. You can buy refills for the Bic multicolor pens. For the one that uh, that has like the four little yeah slides down. Okay, but what about the crystal? No, no. Because I don't like the four color because it's too fat for me. I feel you. So I mean, not to fat shame the pen because you know, but <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> It doesn't fit for me, but you know, so like the crystals, if I could buy, you know, if I could buy two crystals and a 24 pack of the, of the refills to go in them, I would do that. Like, Mm -hmm. that'd be great. Cause then I wouldn't even care too much if I lost one of them because it'd be so easily replaceable. Right. And, but that's not, that's not how we do things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's not how we do it. (sighs) It's And it's a shame that we don't have that available. Like, how nice would it be to actually have a a Bic crystal refill? Yeah. I mean, it'd be great. And um, and I, I don't even like refills now. Like, I would rather have, um, I'd rather have bottled ink. But, you know, I like, I love my Squires. Mm-hmm. And the, um, and those are refill cartridges. And I don't see any way to get around that. But I also just, you know, I'm willing to do that because I'm using those kind of differently than I'm using my fountain pens. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, you know, this is what kind of got me into this whole rabbit hole of stationery in the first place five or six years ago was looking for a replacement for the, um, oh shoot. Yeah. The pilot, uh, V fives that mm-hmm. I used for grading all the time because I love them. I love that liquid ink. It works really well for me as a left-hander and for what I, you know, for what I'm using it for for grading. But it's it's a big plastic body that's not recyclable and I was going through a lot of them. And uh and it was hard to get the green ones. I had to order them online and shipping was more expensive than the box of pens mm-hmm. and you know, like everything about it was just dumb. So um and they do make a refillable of that, but the color is not the same. It's right. not, it's a, it's a darker, less, uh, less punchy green. And so I started looking for a fountain pen and the one that I got the first time was not a $3 fountain pen. And although, you know, it was still one that a lot of people would be snobby about mm-hmm. and, um, and it, I don't like it. Like it doesn't fit my hand. It doesn't really work for grading for the way I'm using it. And so I barely use it anymore. But what did the, you end up getting? Uh, back then or to replace it? Back then. Oh, it was a um, Lamy Safari. Yep, I figured that's what that that is so often suggested to beginners, and it's really not a great pen for that because it's got that it's triangular off. grip, 
and yeah. it's it's a you either love it or you hate it and exactly often, it's like, not basic it's not no. a good thing for it's not a good entry level pen for somebody who's used to commodity pens particularly not left handers i would never suggest a lamy safari to a left hander right yes but at the time it was like well this is sort of the very bottom end of what gets any respect you know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like, and uh you know, I'm sure that the people who I was, you know, who I was reading their comments back then would have just been, you know, completely dismissive if I'd said, well, what about the preppy? I mean, yeah, you would have been so much better <laughs> off with a preppy. I would have been so much better off with a. I am so much better off with a preppy. You know, the preppy actually works really well for me and I love it. And I just threw some silicone grease on that thing and filled it up with ink and I can right. use it forever. Yeah. It's awesome. They're a great pen. They are. They, and they're, they just work. I mean, fundamentally, like we say over and over again here, it's it, fundamentally, if it doesn't work, <laughs> it's not worth any amount of money. Right. And if it does work, it, you shouldn't look down on it because it doesn't cost a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. It just needs to work. That's, you know, that's the bottom line. I think a big part of that is that wa- wallet wagging culture of like, I spent this much on this pen, therefore it must be great. And just because you spent a lot of money on something doesn't mean that it's fabulous. Right. And I think yeah. that's a big part of fountain pen culture if you will is that like particularly when you go into certain groups where fountain pens are talked about it's very much like oh look at my mont blanc or oh look at this or oh look at that like i spent this much on this pen and sometimes it's not even about like people saying how much they spent on the pen it's more about the people in the in the group knowing how much was spent on the pen right yes and i think it sets (laughs) it up for (laughs) It sets it up for people not to want to engage with fountain pens because they're unapproachable. Right. That's what happened to me because, you know, had I, you know, advertised in a group that I bought the Twisby and I actually really enjoy it and I think it's cool, I would have got crapped on, you know, because it's not the best or Mm -hmm. the barrel cracks because it's plastic and all these other things. Um you know, which would suck the excitement out of my newfound thing. And so, yeah, I mean, that's you. You're exactly right, Les. Like, that's why I did not really entertain the idea of a fountain pen, because every time I tried to approach it, there was not pushback, but like just this grossness that I don't yeah. want to be a part of. It wasn't until I started talking to you and asking you questions that made me kind of explore fountain pens more. Mm. Yeah, me too. I appreciate that. Unless it was our gateway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, and one of the reasons I've left a lot of the fountain pen communities that I used to be a member of is because of that. I remember, God, I can't remember what pen it was that I was super excited about. I want to say it was one of the early Twisbees. Um, and it was just sort of like coming out that people, like there was, it was developing cracks. Um, and there was a lot of pushback. <laughs> against my enjoyment of the Twisby and how much I I liked it. Um, but also the fact that I was like seeking out pens under $50 and sometimes under $30, I was getting a lot how of pushback. Could you? Yes. How, <laughs> how could you possibly enjoy a $30 pen? How could you possibly enjoy something under $20? Their nibs are just not that. Um, Although I maintain that probably the cheapest of anything is not going to be great, you know, because... Is- if there were, if it were any good, there'd be a cheaper one. Mm. Well, that's true. I mean, you get a lot of like really crappy things when you get under a certain dollar amount. But I will say, so I have this Jin Hao, um, I don't even know what number it is, pen that was 87 cents. And the pen itself, the pen body is garbage. It's really cheap. The plastic's cracking in the cap. It doesn't seal well. But the nib is quite lovely. It writes really nice. I didn't have to smooth it. It just, the ink flows really well and it works and it works really, really well. I mean, yes, it's not an attractive pen and it's not going to get my best review, but for 87 cents, it's not bad. <laughs> Which, yeah, I you know, see. Yeah. 
but then I've also bought like $2 pens that look pretty good. I've bought a $15 pen that was had the most terrible nib I've ever used on it. Um, and you know, like there's it some there's just variations in manufacturing. So sometimes you get something really nice and sometimes you get something terrible. But yeah, some of those like really inexpensive pens that I've been getting are really kind of nice. But yeah, anyway. I wonder I wonder how it would go if you took like a group of individuals that were in those groups that had the belief that money buys the best and their pen is the best and you did um like this this mock blind use test like it was actually totally unrelated but um it was in i think like San Francisco or or in, somewhere in California where this pop-up ramen shop actually sold $20 bottles of ramen but it was really just, you know, 50 cent packs of ramen. <laughs> <laughs> but people bought it and they liked it and they enjoyed it. Like, it would be interesting to see how attached people are to the status of the object and not necessarily hmm. how the object is. Right. And when you start looking at those kinds of videos, you know, like the the one where they have the art critics come in and look at the Ikea art and the basically anything on Adam ruins everything, right? Mm -hmm. it's you know it's really like that it's hard for us to make it's hard for us to make unbiased decisions about things and we also suck at assessing how unbiased we are Mm -hmm. yes yeah and you know i will say that there is a huge difference between some of these nibs like the the wingsong 3008 and the danny trio um, pen that I've used, or I'm probably butchering that, and I'll we'll get I'll get messages in the feedback form about how I <laughs> how terribly you pronounced it, um, <laughs> or like a pilot nib. But then I've had some of these. I'm sorry, Les. It's pillow. <laughs> <laughs> um, like you know, I've but then I've also gotten some of these like ten dollar pens that are pilot knockoffs that have nibs that are almost identical to some of the pilot nibs that I have. And, you know, like you're never going to be able to compare some of these inexpensive nibs to say the Bach titanium extra fine flexi bouncy nib that I had um, that was sadly lost thanks to the United States Postal Service, but I'm not bitter. Um, You know, like you're never going to be able to compare a steel wing sung nib to that titanium nib. They're just fundamentally different. There's fundamental quality differences between those those two types of nibs. And they feel different in how you're writing. Um, but it could, can I say that some of the Wingsung nibs, the, the stainless steel nibs, are quite similar to the Lamy nibs that I've gotten? Well, yeah. Um, is there as much tipping on them as there are the wing song i mean the 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 lamy nibs not really um they're not what do you mean by that what so the tipping is tipping? the little ball of metal at the end oh, of the tip okay that gotcha. makes them yes. smooth on the paper of course um so yeah no you know you don't get quite as much tipping on a jinhao or a wing song nib as you do a lamy nib and it might not be the same quality of material but can you get them to feel about the same with a little fiddling yeah um but I just, I guess what I really wanted to get at here is that fountain pens don't need to be a luxury item. And I think most of the people who listen to our podcast get that. Um, and maybe there's something that we can all do to help people understand that they're not a luxury item, that they are approachable, that they are less expensive, or there there's this potential for them to be less expensive. Maybe yeah, they could we... be the cheapskate alternative. But yeah. Uh, but can we, is there something that we can do to kind of cut back on that luxury look? Um, and I mean, we were not going to be able to change 30 years of advertising, but, you know, I don't know, share the love somehow with some like ink samples and maybe a Wingsong 3008 that writes really nicely with someone who might enjoy it. That's something that most of us can do. Spend $5 and give someone a pen and a vial of ink. And show them right. the, show them that it's something that helps them save money over the long run and can be kind of fun and enjoyable. Challenge accepted. All right, cool. Um, 
So we've kind of touched on the ecology of it. We've talked about affordability. We've talked about luxury versus approachability. What else? What 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 are other things that are kind of in this um, overhead idea? Well, I think moving from fountain pens to just stationary in general, mm. um, I get the same kind of feels when you originally described that, like, um, you know, you associated fountain pen use with that, like, you know, rich, like, gruff evil person in you know movies or what have Mm -hmm. you or the the rich executive that you know has the expensive pen i kind of see that with a lot of stationery um you know because when i tell people that i have a podcast about stationery um first i get a look of confusion (laughs) but then i get a, a look of like that's really like a thing like like how many people listen to that like because and, and when I talk to them further, you know, they're under the impression that I'm talking about like high end stationery or I'm talking about letter, you know, like writing letters um, or expensive paper or so I feel like the word stationery itself kind of comes with all of this baggage, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we're really nine times out of ten, we're talking about, you know, office supplies, office supplies. Yeah. It's just. You know, it's it's more it's sexier to say stationary podcast than office supply podcast. <laughs> um, but no, so it's like <laughs> I think I, I don't know. Now I'm contemplating a name change. Right. right? <laughs> well, I don't know if about... the office supply podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, see what would happen is immediately in my brain, I file that under. Oh, cool! They're going to be talking about stuff I could buy at like Walgreens and Target and Walmart. Like so. I don't know. I feel like there's just such a big gap in understanding of of what what stationary really is or what the, what that term encompasses and and this topic has kind of made me think about that. Mm. Um like for some reason I don't associate pencils with stationary even though they are. I still associate stationary with stationary. Mm. If that makes sense. It like does. <laughs> You know, so it's 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 an issue of terms and it's an issue of understanding. So, I mean, I don't know. I think also circling back to communities and, you know, how they interact with newcomers or even people that have been in the community for a while. Um, we see this a lot in other smaller groups, um, lately actually in the Baron fig group, um, Baron fig fanatics, mm-hmm. like people, you know, selling their squires almost every day. Yeah. It's creating this like, I mean, $60 for a pen to me is expensive, but then to sell that for $200 is even more expensive. Yeah. So how often does that culture of already expensive, like filter into the community at large is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, but then I think you're coming back around to that idea about collector's editions. Yeah. Right. Which is right. which really is a separate issue, because even though um, I think uh, even though a lot of those collectors are going to be users, there's a very big difference between, you know, wanting to get hold of a certain model of a pen that you already own exactly the same pen in another color. <laughs> you know? right. It's the same and thing. wanting it badly enough to pay $200 for it versus just really liking this pen and, you know, buying a second one for 60 bucks because you like it. Right. And, so. Right. And what made me think of that connection is, and I less knows more than found pens than I do, but I've seen a lot of fountain pens that have special editions or like yearly editions or, yeah. you know, and so I wonder how much overlap there is, you know, in that and how much, how much worse things can get because you then combine something that is a, you know, luxury item with the collector item. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I don't know. I just had a lot of big thoughts on that when you were, you were talking about. Um, well, I think so going off of that, there are fountain pens that are already at a high price point. So, Mm -hmm. um, 
I use Pelican as an example. Pelican has like the M100, M200, M345, all the way up to M1000s. Yeah. And those pens, they range in about like $100 or so all the way up to, I think, five to eight hundred dollars maybe a thousand dollars depending on the pen and the nib sizes go up as the pen size goes up so you have those that are all sort of standard editions and then they have collectible versions of those pens and so then people get into this whole okay i'm gonna get the 2008 tortoise shell pelican m800 um so there are like those standard editions that are already high priced that people collect those as well because they change them sometimes. They tweak them a little bit from year to year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's that aspect of collectability that here's a standard edition <laughs> and I want, I want the 1950 model. I want the 1960 model. I want the 70 model, the 74 model, the 80 model. Like people. It really puts those. the 2014 Norica into uh, perspective. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, so, so then, you know, you have people who collect those and then on top of it, like then wanting the tortoiseshell version, which is a collectible version of those pens, or like sometimes they'll introduce new colors. So yeah, I mean, I think there's some overlap in that collectability, but also like there are some pens that are just wallet waggers, like some of the Mont Blancs. There are collectible right. Mont Blancs, but there are also like the M, uh, God, what is it that they call theirs? 149, I think, that is mm-hmm. just like, this is the pen that if you're going to spend money on a pen, that's the pen you get. And it's, you know, black with gold trim and meh. I don't know. I don't, I've never liked it, but then it's also <laughs> like, it's a Mont Blanc. So you know it has a really nice handmade nib. And that's that's like a whole other section of of this sort of thing that we're talking about is there are pens that you buy so that people know that you spent money on them and then there are pens that you buy because you know they're going to perform really well right um and but it's like who, sometimes there's overlap in that yeah right and like who's who's noticing that you spent money on them so i went to just now as we were talking i went to the goulet pen company mm-hmm. and i clicked on fountain pens and i clicked on all pens and i clicked sort by price um high to low and platinum pen company has their you know granted it's one it's a limited edition of a hundred, mm-hmm. but this pen is eleven thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so if you that's... look at it, to me, that doesn't look like like I'm like, oh, cool pen. Like, what was it like, fifty bucks? That's an entire. So that is their limited edition. A hundred. We've been in business for like a hundred years. Yeah. Two hundred years or something. Pen, which is kind of an outlier, and who's actually going to buy that? But I don't it think that's the kind of pen write... someone buys that someone is going to use. Yeah, it doesn't have to write six and a half thousand times better than a preppy. <laughs> right. Right. Whereas I think that the, the pens that people are buying, like a like a Mont Blanc, you are buying that so certain other people who know what Mont Blancs are know that you know what a Mont Blanc is and have taste. Right. You know what I mean? It's a mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a status symbol. Mm-hmm. I have this, therefore I have I, I have I have a library filled with leather and rich mahogany. Right. Actually, if I ever win the lottery, I really like the Visconti Ocean Breeze. <laughs> Beautiful. It's only eight hundred dollars. I don't only. Like... I mean, you can't afford not to buy it. <laughs> um. So anyway, I butchered that Anchorman clip. What? The, the, oh. the, the library with mahogany and leather. Oh, it's been so long. I forgot. I forgot too, and yeah. I. Worked at a video store. <laughs> Anyhow. Which automatically makes you an authority. <laughs> After a decade, I, <laughs> yeah. How many um, times do they have that playing in the store? <laughs> like on repeat. Yeah. Ugh. Yuck. I didn't actually <laughs> like that movie, I'll be honest. I And I didn't actually watch the whole thing. There was some of it that I thought was really, really funny. Like the part, I watched it a couple of times. Yeah, like, like there's parts that are funny. But I think that's the type of idea, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the idea behind these like pens that you buy as a status symbol is that you're. It's a signal. It's a signal to other yeah. people that you know what these things are. Right, and I guess that happens on a smaller scale with with other things. Like, uh, funny story. I was in my favorite coffee place, and I always look at what people are writing with, and I saw someone writing with a black wing, hmm. and so immediately in my mind, I'm like, they know what's up. Right. 
Yeah. You know? So. And I, I do think that's part of it as well as, you know, like when you when you see someone using something that you also have and that you know about, it's like, oh, yeah. Right. It's, right. A, it's a signal. Mm-hmm. It's like anything. Absolutely. It's like the way we dress, the way we do do things, the way you cut your hair. It's all a signal about certain things. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, we are hitting about an hour here. Of course, that'll edit down to a bit less. Is mm-hmm. there anything else we need to add? If there is, we'll get to talk about it again in about two weeks. This is true. <laughs> I want to take a moment to thank everyone for their supportive words on both the website and our Facebook group. The Facebook group is just really wonderful. Lots of wonderful, wonderful, engaged conversation and support for us. And I appreciate that so much. Um, I just, just a shout out and a thanks to everyone who continues to support us and give us little, little mentions and comments. I, I just love it. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, go on over and, um, uh, join it. And if you have a moment, give us a review on iTunes. You can find the podcast at rsvpstationarypodcast.com. You can find me, Les, at comfortableshoesstudio.com, Facebook at Comfortable Shoes Studio. Instagram, and sometimes Twitter at original LC Harper. Dade, where can the people find you? You can find me at weeklypencil.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Weekly Pencil. Lenore? And you can find me on Twitter from time to time at Lenore underscore Hoyt on Facebook through the RSVP Stationary Podcast Group or the Erasable Podcast Group. And on Instagram, I have two accounts, and I have to figure out which one of them I actually have anything in, and I'll terminate one of them, and I'll let you guys know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you two so much for chatting with me about this. I always, always enjoy our time together. I love you both so much.